0: Two dudes, one microphone, absolutely zero calves. Welcome to Team No Cavs Radio with your hosts, Ali and Adam.
1: Hello guys and welcome to episode 12 of the Team No Cars Radio Podcast. I almost forgot the name of our podcast because it's been so, so long. <laughs> so episode Stop. 12, yeah, episode 12 uh, Adam and I really wanted to talk about uh, getting muscle and we've decided to call this podcast Deciphering the Training Code because there is a huge amount of information uh, out there to, available to everybody with regards to training. Uh, lots and lots of fitness jargon being thrown around and it can be quite confusing for, you know, general population individuals to to understand what everybody's talking about when we talk about training volume, frequency, intensity. So we wanted to steer away from the uh, science-y jargon as much as possible. Uh, there will st- still be some of that in there, but we wanted to put it into layman's terms so that everybody can interpret what it is we're talking about when we use these words and this terminology. Uh, so Adam, how are you, mate? It's been a while. Good, mate.
0: Yeah, it's funny you saying being a while, like I don't see you every day, but for <laughs> podcast purposes, we'll do the whole, oh, mate, what have you been up to? How's it going? Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it has been ages since we've done one of these podcasts. It's been um, raised quite a few times, I think, on both our like uh, social medias that we need to get back into it and stuff, and I think after we got quite a few messages the other week um randomly we were like right like we need to get get on this again so but no no it was all's, uh all's good mate back into training now uh for four months four months back into training so finally starting to look like a lift again which is good always helps um and uh pretty much just um been quite quiet because we've been getting things ready um for obviously our next our next venture uh, which we'll talk about a little bit more in the future don't really want to plug it right now um but uh, but no all's all's good what about yourself mate
1: awesome yeah again so this kind of whole fake chat like we don't know what we're going <laughs> to as as we've seen each other sort of two or three times a day um but yeah i mean for the sake of podcast purposes um uh, similar to adam back into training now uh, off the back end of the ironman uh, which was absolutely hideous and will never ever be done again. Uh, lost absolutely all my gains. Um, got down to 196 pounds uh, and finally back up to a more reasonable 215 of late. So uh, again, similar to you ads, starting to look like I lift ever so slightly, not massively, just occasionally. Um, so really, really enjoying that. And, and I've kind of fallen back in love with training, which is which has been a massive upside to having done the triathlon. So all is good Um, and same front as you kind of working on our new project which we will talk about in in future podcasts and on our social medias Um, but for today I really want to get dug into this topic because there is loads and loads of stuff to decipher as it were loads of stuff to discuss Um, and I think we should probably start ads by kind of um, establishing some terms um, kind of figuring out what these these phrases and words mean so If you'd like to start us off uh, should we start somewhere like what is training intensity
0: yeah so training intensity uh, you'll see intensity used in a few different respects Um, but when we talk today when we're talking about intensity what we're gonna basically mean is percentage of a one rep max so the amount of load essentially um, on the bar so let's say I said, um, let's say my bench press one rep max was 100 kilos and I said I was working at something like 70% intensity. It means I'd be working at 70 kilos. Um, And so that's how we're gonna talk about things today in terms of how intensity um, would affect kind of rep ranges we'll be using. Um, So that's what we mean when we say intensity in those terms. Um, Okay, so that's intensity. What about uh, if we went into uh, frequency?
1: Uh, so frequency simply put is the amount of times per week that you're training a muscle group. So, um, you know, if you're doing a body part split, you might be training each muscle group just once per week. If you're doing push legs pull with one rest day, you might be training each muscle group twice per week. And then similarly with like an upper lower split, which we will be going into in a bit more detail later guys. Uh, so don't worry too much if you haven't heard of those again would be sort of twice per week per muscle group. So. Frequency is just the amount of times that you're training each muscle group per week. Cool, so we've got frequency cool. and we've got intensity. Um, if you'd like to just give us a little lowdown on what we mean when we're talking about training volume.
0: Cool, so volume, um, there's a few different ways volume will often be calculated and measured by people. But in this respect for this podcast today, what we're gonna be talking about is the amount of hard working sets done on a body part over the course of the week. So a hard working set, I would usually stipulate as being anything within three reps of failure. Um, So anything below that, and we're starting to look at things being more warm up sets. they might not have the amount of stress kind of per set uh, that we need in order to grow a muscle. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about training volume, it's the amount of hard working sets done on a body part over the course of the week. And so I guess the final one um, we would look to try and, and define um, would be something like uh, overload.
1: Cool, so overload is essentially um, the amount of stress we put through a muscle group, for example, um, within a particular range, um, and just doing more over time. So. You know, that doesn't necessarily have to be more load on the bar, more weight on the bar. It doesn't necessarily have to be more sets per week. It can be a combination of those things. It can be uh, how much time you're spending under tension. All of these different variables will affect overload. So basically, all it means is doing more, um, applying more stress to a muscle.
0: Cool. And I think that's probably a good place for us to start in terms of talking about Uh, The overalls of training, um, especially when that training is in order to grow the muscle itself. Um, So what we should be looking to ultimately achieve as an endpoint of our, our training. And that is essentially application of training stress and obviously the gradual overload so the gradual increase in training stress over time and assuming nutrition is not ridiculously stupid and we're eating some protein and we're eating, eating ample amount of calories and getting some good sleep that should see us grow muscle tissue over the time now obviously this gets harder as we get more advanced but um, the actual principle of it is pretty simple um, in, in that respect so Application and management of stress is what we should be looking for with our kind of training blocks. So, I suppose a good place to start would be to talk about um, actually talking about intensity first. So, the kind of percentages of our one rep max we should be using um, in order to kind of direct our kind of adaptations in the right area. So, obviously, if we're doing plenty and plenty of one three and five rep sets we're going to get very very good at lifting heavy stuff however obviously that's not perhaps the most practical way of us um, getting training volume in Um, and therefore maybe let's talk about intensity first once we have an intensity set that way we can talk about an appropriate amount of hard working sets to do at that intensity so ollie if you're like looking to set up a training block especially with your big compound movements um, what kind of kind of percentage of your one rep max would you be looking um, at spending most of your time
1: um, so most of the time it's going to be around that sort of 60 to 70 percent uh, of your one rep max around that sort of area uh, like you rightly said anything beyond that and yes we will be building you know lots and lots of strength um, but that isn't necessarily um, the best way of approaching your training if, if the overall goal is to build muscle, so 60-70% to 70% is where most of my working sets would sort of land uh, but there might certainly still be uh, the occasion where we go heavier than that whether that's from an enjoyment factor whether you just want to increase strength in a particular area um, and we have to do keep in the back of our mind that um, being strong will also facilitate our hypertrophy training our muscle building so it does pay to work in various different rep ranges um, both high and low would you agree with that or
0: yeah definitely I mean I think um, typically when I'm looking to uh, train I'm, I'm looking to as you said, spend majority of my time between, I, I typically spend it between 60 to 75% of my training. So about two thirds of my year might be spent in that kind of 60 to 75% of my one rep max. And then I might spend some blocks of time outside that, uh, working at higher, um, higher intensities, which means essentially lower rep ranges. So as you mentioned, getting a bit stronger, getting better at producing force, um, through my muscles, uh, and, uh, Therefore, when I come back into my kind of lower um, intensities, my higher rep ranges, hopefully, I can transfer some of that new strength um, that I've managed to get. Essentially, someone whose one rep max uh, is getting higher is typically probably going to get a little bit better in the you know eight rep max, so to speak. Uh, it's not a, it's not an exact carryover, but you know it's um, it's generally going to be quite a, an accurate rule of thumb. Um, Okay, cool. So, we've obviously talked about intensity. So, because we've talked about intensity, the kind of rep ranges we're going to be working with, now we can talk about an appropriate amount of hard working sets um, that we could look to do on a body part over the course of the week. Now, I think the hard thing about this is just how much individualization, uh, you know, how much variation there will be between training groups, you know, even training groups of people who have had the same amount of training age so the same amount amount of time in the gym they might be the same body weight they might have the same amount of muscle mass they might be working through the same rep ranges however volume tolerance so the amount of hard working sets you can tolerate over the week will be very very individual dependent i think me and you are quite a good example because obviously we do a lot of training together when we look at actually the amount of training volume you can tolerate versus me is vastly different you can tolerate huge amounts more on say the chest Um, hamstrings and I can tolerate a lot more on the back Um, however they all grow at relatively similar rates because we've been training a similar amount of time so this is where it's going to be tough to to kind of figure this out however we do know landmarks so we do know rough kind of ranges we can work between and um, so when you're looking to set up a training program for someone Ollie, and you're looking at how much volume you should uh, give to that person Is there certain things in particular um, that you are taking into consideration, and you know, does that mean there'll be potentially certain ends of a perhaps a range that you're gonna look to favor?
1: Yeah, definitely, Um, and the difficult thing with this is that everybody's looking for a black and white answer, Um, so it's quite hard, as you say, to give somebody an exact answer when there's so much individual variability between person to person, Um, and we know that, for example, 10 sets per muscle group per week is probably going to be better than five sets per muscle group per week. And we also mm-hmm. know that for some people, 20 sets is going to be better for 10. Uh, and then when you tell that to somebody, their instant kind of thought process is that more sets is better than less sets, but that, yeah. less, that isn't necessarily the case. So the question that you ask is, how would I go about giving you know or prescribing an amount of sets for somebody uh, and what do I have to consider? One of the biggest things is somebody's current training age, so how new to training is somebody, Um, what are they currently doing and are they recovering from that, Um, and do I feel like they need more or less volume based on those kind of uh, individual factors. So for example, somebody who's very new to training, who potentially has just been dabbling with the gym but not following too much structure uh, to begin with would probably make huge, huge improvements with just ten sets per muscle group per week. And that's a great mm-hmm. that's a great starting point for most people. Um, and you can gauge your progress off that. And if you continually to grow you're continuing to grow, sorry, and you're seeing strength increases in the gym, then you can stick that out for as long as possible and just add sets over time. Um, but then again, if you're somebody who's very advanced and has been training for a long time and you're really struggling to eke out small amounts of progress you might be in that higher range of around about 20 sets per muscle group per week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think having a a range, like you say, there to work between, um, I know that the kind of studies and the the literature for most people, they're going to end up somewhere between it's a real vast range between eight to kind of 24 sets per body part. As you can see, that's a huge range to work within. And even the most recent research has actually used volumes, you know, far in excess of that and seen, Subtle increases in growth, very small increases in growth above and beyond, you know, even 20 sets per week. Doing 40 sets per week seemed to show some tiny differences in increases in muscle growth. However, that wasn't a blanket across all of the groups. You know, there were some people who actually responded much worse to that high volume and some people who responded, you know, much better to it. And so, this is where, as we mentioned, uh, volume is very individual, and I always take the rule of thumb that I would rather start with too little volume and be able to add over time, than have too much volume and hit a brick wall very, very early. Um, sorry, there's like a a, a bit mad, rubbish truck. Yeah, no, it's a, yeah, it's <laughs> just outside. So just have to give me a moment whilst
1: this. Uh, makes a load of noise there what we go let's go we'll, we'll have one of those um lyle mcdonald moments you can start shouting at simba in a minute enough <laughs> Enough! <laughs> oh yeah. there we go <laughs> up. um yeah so uh
0: so i would rather start with too little volume and give myself somewhere to go than start with too much and run myself into a ground you know second week of my training block so this is why i think um Uh, volume itself being able to assess the right amount is very much a reactive process rather than a proactive Mm -hmm. and that's why essentially you want to be getting to the end of a training block where you've been consistent with your kind of volumes um, and then have a look and see right did I progress you know was I getting stronger was my performance increasing have I seen girth measurements as well as maybe weight measurements or noticeable changes in the mirror if not and i feel recovered cool i can add more volume on for my next block however if i feel like i've been completely obliterated and i've not seen any you know progress i've not seen any improvements i know okay maybe i need to drop my training volumes down and actually facilitate recovery maybe dig myself a less large hole that i'll get out of um and so that's very much how i would look at actually um uh, assessing volume and putting it in the right ballpark very much on a reactive to my first block so i know cool yep that works for me or no i need to adjust and i'd always stay more on the conservative end just to make sure i don't break myself in my first uh, four weeks of training yeah
1: so that's pretty cool then so we've we've now got an idea of where our training intensity should be in terms of the amount of weight we we're lifting relative to how much weight we can lift and we also know how much roughly volume we should be doing uh, per week. So we know how many sets per muscle group we should be doing. So now it'll be a pretty cool time to talk about frequency and splits and how we're mm-hmm. actually going to manage that training, not only across the week, but across the month and potentially the year. So um, when you're setting up a training block for someone ads and um, you're trying to put uh, this volume in the appropriate places so they can get the most out of their training and progress the most what are you considering um how are you kind of deciding what split they should be on do you consider their enjoyment factor or is it a case of right this is the best approach and you should be doing this
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing is, we know that it's more to do with volume over the course of the week that matters, rather than just individual day volume. Um, and and that means that actually, we've got loads of different places we can go with this. Um, you know, and that's why, as you mentioned, the individual's preference is going to play a large part in how I split their volume up. Um, so, you know, whether I split it up over one, two or three days, in reality, the difference is going to be minimal between the the three you know whilst a two day a week split so hitting a body part um twice so not two a day a week what am i two two times a week split on hitting a body part seems to be the most effective if someone doesn't like training that way i can't force them to train that way you know they're going to be less adherent to the program less consistent and they're not going to get the gains out so you know at the end of someone really wants a bro split by all means i have to give them a bro split but it just gonna it's gonna mean they've got perhaps a lot of volume on on one day which does mean that maybe in the later part of the session the quality of their rep perhaps might start to suffer they may start to suffer with seeing progression on some of their later exercises and so typically i'm trying to balance preference versus management of fatigue Uh, and you know ideally if you can hit a good balance of the two um the individual going to love their sessions. They're going to feel well worked from each of their sessions. And they're going to keep progressing on every exercise because they are you know, well recovered before they, say, do their dumbbell incline press after doing their bench press. Yeah, that, And
1: that's pretty much what it comes down to when we talk about preference and um, trying to set people up with training programming uh, that they enjoy. Because, you know, quite frequently I'll try and move somebody you know if they're willing and open to the idea of moving somebody away from a body part split where they're potentially training chest and triceps on one day for example and only hitting that once per week to maybe across to a upper lower split where they're training chest twice per week within that individual chest session what that they normally do where they're just training once per week they feel like you know they do lots and lots of work on their chest they're very fatigued and sore and they feel beaten up and battered and bruised which is what bodybuilders want Um, to and so to try and convince them that potentially by splitting that volume up over two days yes each individual session might not necessarily feel as intense and difficult what you've got to understand is the second half of your chest session for example will be you know you won't be performing at your best because you are so fatigued from you know doing an hour and a half on chest for example so it's all about splitting volume up appropriately and spreading it across the week in a way that what, like you say, we can manage our fatigue as best as possible. Um, so yeah, yeah. that's, that's really cool to sit, kind of hear your views on, um, giving a bit of what your clients want and a lot of what they need. Uh, it's a great approach to setting up someone's training program. Cool. So yeah, I think we should probably talk about ads, um, the actual kind of specifics of how you might set this up now. So, we know what we need to be doing in terms of intensity, volume, and frequency. How do we go about setting up our training programming um, if, if we're doing this alone?
0: Yeah, cool. So essentially, how do we look to take, you know what the overall targets we're aiming for over the week? How do we look to take that into, okay, what does that mean each day would look like? Yeah. And so this comes down into the programming side of things. And I think the big thing with programming is um, it's very much experience-based in terms of um, you kind of get better at programming for yourself, especially as you go uh, you know, and you get further into your kind of gym career, I guess. So obviously the first thing we, we're looking to do with our programming itself um, is uh, we're choosing our loading. So that intensity that we mentioned earlier, obviously we wanna make sure that we're spending a decent amount of time Working through these kind of different intensity zones. So, and uh, I always like to essentially have some days where I'm working through some different rep ranges. So, some days where I'm working at different percentages of what my one rep max over the course of the week. So, I might have one day that's slightly heavier. I might have one day that's a uh, slightly lighter. So, if I'm doing upper twice a week, I might have one upper day that's slightly heavier and one upper day that's slightly uh, lighter. And this means. There's a few different reasons that I can um, do this. I'm gonna get better through a couple of different rep ranges within a kind of um, ideal range. I use the word range <laughs> a lot then. Um, uh, but also it means that my lighter day gives me a chance to slightly um, recover in terms of my, my joints from the heavier loading I'm, I'm doing on my heavier day perhaps. So I like to alternate and uh, undulate my rep ranges um, with each of my, my days of programming. Uh, alongside that it's going to come down to appropriate exercise selection so this is the thing this is the part that everyone thinks about when they think about programming is just what exercise are you doing you know do you bench on that day do you bench on your chest day do you uh, lap pull down on your back day and this is it typically if you ask someone uh what you know what's their training look like they'll just say i bench on monday i pull up on you know tuesdays i do squats. Never and calves <laughs> fuck away um but uh but yeah that's typically what people will think about when they think of programming and, and i think having an appropriate exercise selection when it comes to gaining muscle is uh, a large part of things because it helps you achieve those you know overarching concepts that we spoke about at the start which is progression so First thing I'm looking to do is um, I'm looking to make sure that there's always some sort of big compound movement at the start of each session. And so when we say compound movement, we mean a exercise that's moving across multiple joints. So for example, um, in a bench press, we're moving across the shoulder and the elbow joint. Um, uh, And uh, that's what I'm looking to do. I'm looking to have some bigger exercises towards the start of my session compound movements and then start doing smaller isolation movements towards the end when perhaps I'm a bit more fatigued. So real simple, I'm sure for the vast majority of people that's going to be, you know, yes, fucking I know, (laughs) Um, but uh, so essentially that's first of all what I'd look to do with um, kind of choosing what modality of exercise, you know, whether I'm using barbells or dumbbells or the cable, you know, I'll typically maybe move from barbells to dumbbells to cables perhaps towards the end. But obviously, there's no exact way you have to do this. It comes down to individual uh, preference again. Okay, so once I've done my big uh, fatiguing movements at the start of the session, I know those are my money makers. Those are the things that are really going to have the big impact on am I growing muscle tissue because it's obviously what I can load most in. Then I look to my smaller stuff where I can maybe isolate a joint a little bit more, maybe just move across one joint like a bicep curl um cool so in terms of uh choosing the exercises themselves so you know whether you do something like a um a back squat or whether you do something like a single leg romanian deadlift how are you kind of figuring out if one's going to be better for muscle growth than perhaps another
1: so i mean the first thing that you've got to look at is um are you able to continually progress with the movement? So. You know, something like a single leg Romanian deadlift is it's going to be pretty hard for you to put more load across the joint uh, with that movement so yes it might be enjoyable and it, it certainly can have a place uh, within a program um, but you're probably going to be able to load a squat a hell of a lot more uh, over time than you are a single leg Romanian deadlift so Um, that's obviously just one example but when we're thinking about what exercise selection we should be using, we need to think about movements that we connect with and feel so it's no good doing an exercise that is supposed to be targeting your lats for example but you just really never feel it in your lats when you're doing it, Uh, so that's of utmost importance. An exercise (laughs) that you, okay this is a bit of a weird one because I've got a caveat to this and I was going to say an exercise that you enjoy doing um, but I absolutely hate Bulgarian split squats, but they're my <laughs> program, so um, I don't necessarily enjoy doing Bulgarian split squats, but I know they, they work wonders and so they stay in. Um, but I do enjoy the pain in a weird, sadistic way. Um, and I'm also looking to put exercises in um, that are actually, when I'm, when I'm considering my programming, that are pretty universal in that I could be on holiday, away on business, whatever it might be, I can get to a simple piece of equipment and carry out the exercise if my exercise selection is uh, specifically nautilus inclined chest press machine, um, and you know I can only get to that one machine in one gym, I'm kind of setting myself up to fail if I ever have to go anywhere other than Chichester. So um, those are some of those kind of things that I'm thinking about. Is there anything else you can think of as there when you're setting up with exercise selection?
0: Yeah, I think you, you kind of mentioned it there. And, and to be honest, I was kind of leading us towards that by just, um, mentioning a kind of single leg RDL versus a back squat. And that's like bracing, being able to brace yourself when you do um, an exercise. Uh, so bracing essentially being in a stable um, position where you can create force, you know, tension in the muscles from. Um, and, you know, definitely certain exercises are better suited to that. Than others, um, as I mentioned, there being you know doing like a single leg Romanian deadlift. Whilst a great, great movement um, for uh, a multitude of different reasons i'm going to be lacking in a bit of bracing when when i'm doing that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean i can't find that by doing something like supporting my back leg on a box or maybe using my arm to on a bar in front to support myself but that's one thing i'm looking for i'm like can i appropriately brace myself so that i can put more load on the bar over time Mm -hmm. without possibly killing myself uh, or injuring myself Uh, so Bracing itself is uh, something I look at with exercise selection. I'll also look at perhaps the way I am um, working uh, a muscle itself. So for instance, something like the hamstrings, they are worked both in a hip hinge and also in knee flexion. So I want to make sure that I've got a combination of um, exercises that do both those things over the course of a week. So I might have one day where I have a Romanian deadlift and I might have one day where I have a, um, a lying leg cut. So I'm looking to actually use the muscle in perhaps, uh, different ways over the course of the week. Um, anything else in particular, mate, that you'd be looking to do when you are, um, choosing an exercise, perhaps something to do with like, um, uh, positions in the movement where it's hardest.
1: Oh yeah, cool. So we can, um, we can talk about kind of strength curves and, and working through different ends of the strength curve and, and also the use of things like uh, bands for tension, etc., um, which seem to be incredibly popularized on social media at the minute. Um, so it's probably worth touching on those things. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're seeing somebody um, doing an exercise where they've, they've banded it, what they're essentially trying to do is either remove or add tension at one end of the movement. So um, you might see somebody doing a... Um, like a banded shoulder press for example, where they have a band coming down from the top of a power rack um, and the bar will catch the band at the bottom of the movement and provide a small amount of assistance at the bottom of the range um, so that they can get the bar back up with relative ease in that what we like to call the hole uh, where the movement is most difficult. Um, And then they can work through the rest of the strength curve with a slightly heavier weight because they have a small amount of assistance and then you have the opposite end of that where you might put a reverse band on a hack squat for example and this will give you more tension at the top of the range in the quads where normally there isn't much tension at all so that's actually making the exercise a little bit more challenging Um, so there's definitely things that you can look to do within your training to make sure that you're you're working a muscle through different ends of the strength curve. Um, And you don't need to use equipment to do that, you can play around with different angles. So an incline bicep curl will affect the muscle on a different end of the range to a spider curl, for example, Um, so you can play around with different kind of um, strength curves in that respect too.
0: Yeah, I think that as you mentioned there, this sort of last um, example, I think that's the way that most people should be um, uh, looking to vary perhaps the exercises they do on the same muscle group. Mm-hmm. I think bands now uh, are getting to that point where there's a lot of people using bands um, without having a proper understanding of what it is they're trying to achieve with it. It might just be something they've seen on on Instagram, and I think starts falling into a a risky kind of um, area of actually spending a lot of time setting something up that's actually not that effective. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when you're choosing your exercise, as you mentioned, having something where, maybe in in real simple terms, an exercise where it's hardest in like the shortened phase Mm -hmm. um, compared to where it's hardest in, uh, as you mentioned, the lengthened phase. Just looking at exercises perhaps like that. Um, Good example, dumbbell fly, hardest in the stretch phase versus a cable fly that may be harder in the shortened phase. So I think this is where stuff like cables uh, are amazing um, in adding to uh, programs, especially towards the, the tail end um, when you're isolating certain body parts. And I think this is where um, actually not being biased with your training, so making sure that actually you use a, a lot of combination of a lot of different things, you know, barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells, cables, bands, um, is uh, machines is the correct approach to take when you're setting up your exercises for a, for a day of
1: training. I think it's worth as well as while we're talking about um, exercise selection and, and changing exercises to just touch on um, how frequently you'll rotate exercises and actually change a program itself um, because mm-hmm. we can all be uh, guilty of maybe hopping from uh, training approach to training approach or program to program. And almost robbing ourselves of mastery, as it were, and uh, not allowing for some really good progress. So what would you kind of tend to advise on, or how, how long would you tend to advise somebody to stick to a, a program or a training for?
0: Yeah, so it's a funny one, really, because me myself, um, I tend to stick with training programs uh, and well, particularly exercises within my training program for a long time. Uh, I, I stick with them until they get stale. So I'll, I'll stick with them until you know I'll go maybe be two, three, four weeks without seeing any progress, and then I may look to change them up. Some of my smaller movements, some of my stuff like my, um, you know, uh, bicep curls and things like that, I might change up more frequently, maybe every four to six weeks. But I tend to keep, you know, as you've seen recently, I've been front squatting for like the last year, and it was literally only. Um, The past couple weeks, I saw a little bit of staleness and decided to um, switch movement out for a leg press for a little while. So I tend to keep it, because of my personal preference, I tend to keep it the same for quite a long period of time. I don't want to constantly be chopping and changing to have to learn a different move Mm -hmm. and therefore give up weeks where I'm actually just learning move um, instead of actually just progressing that move. That being the case, though, when it comes to gaining size so when it comes to making a muscle grow variation is one of the training principles so it comes to a point where we essentially um, kind of exhaust and stagnate and you know we will lose um, our, our ability to provide a new stimulus to a muscle and that you know at that point variation is important and this is why As uh, setting up a muscle growth program, you can vary things a lot more than someone who's just trying to get, you know, become a power lifter and wants to get amazing at bench pressing. They're gonna spend all of their time bench pressing or doing some small variation of their bench press, you know. Um, Muscle growth, it's much easier. We can change exercises up more often, but rule of thumb, I would typically keep in compounds. So your big compound movements, typically keep them in for at least eight to 12 weeks. Uh, And the smaller movements, I would like your secondary movements, I would look to change out every four to eight weeks. Uh, So that's my kind of rules of thumb. I don't think there's any particular um, uh, evidence behind changing more or less often. um, But that's my kind of general rule of
1: thumb. Yeah, cool. Um, Another one that I I often get asked uh, is if I've got a weak body part. Should I train it more often? Uh, How should I go about growing a weak body part? So let's take, for example, um, somebody's got a weak back, uh, weak lats, Uh, what is it we should be doing in terms of specificity uh, to bring up those weak areas? Um, Is it a case of just adding more volume in that area or can we look to maybe reduce volume down in other areas whilst we we bring up uh, volume there as a kind of a specificity block?
0: Yeah, I think there's there's probably a few, it's pretty multifaceted in terms of the approach you take for this. It'd be first of all looking at actually exercise execution before looking at volume. As you mentioned, sometimes you might not feel a certain exercise that well. You might not be recruiting the muscle particularly well because of the movement. So that's the first thing that I would look to do is address actually the execution of a movement. And I've had to do the same thing, and I'm sure you've had to do the same thing with certain things where you've had to actually build it back from the ground up and learn the movement first. And then all of a sudden it's like, fucking hell, this grows by my chest, whereas in the past you may have never thought it would. Yeah. Um so once you've uh, obviously as you've mentioned you, you know, you've got the exercise execution right in terms of the volume side of things i think um it it comes down to first of all are you seeing progression so are you progressing at the exercise are you either adding more um, reps or sets or load over the course of time if you are and you're not growing then perhaps yes adding more volume is an approach to take however if you're not progressing then it may be an idea to... There's one of two things you could probably do. You could either perhaps reduce volume down from a different body part and add it onto that body part and see how you get on with that. Or it may be a case of actually taking volume down itself. But I think um, looking at, uh, especially if you're a very advanced trainer, if you've got a body part that's particularly weak, uh, it may be worth taking volume away from some of your strong areas and actually placing onto that area. I like to think of recovery as a bit of a reserve, you know, so if you think of it as like a water tank and the amount of water in that tank is your is your reserve. Um, if I was to just keep filling it with more volume, you know, more volume of water, at some point it's going to spill over. Mm-hmm. However, if I remove some volume, so if I take away from a certain area, could be a tap down in the left corner. Um,
1: then I can fill back
0: up uh, and place that volume actually in another is area. That, is
1: that a good analogy? Yeah, no, that's no? good. It's, kind of, it's probably worth mentioning at this point that the amount of volume required to maintain muscle mass is a lot lower than the amount required to build muscle. So you shouldn't be worried about, let's use the example of wanting to build your lats again. Let's say you have a particularly strong chest. You shouldn't be worried about removing sets from your chest, uh, your chest work because it will still more than likely be enough volume to actually maintain the amount of muscle mass you have there. Um, And then as Adam says, you can just add that volume uh, to the area that you wanna bring up, which is obviously your lats. Um, So you're not increasing the amount of working sets you're doing for your body across the week, but you are just increasing it in one area and bringing it down in another area. So uh, you're keeping that reserve topped up as Adam says. That's a cool analogy actually, I like that.
0: Cool, yeah, we go, score. (laughs) <laughs> the five hours of sleep is obviously not making a, a difference to my my cognitive function. I'm doing alright. Yeah,
1: you're doing good, mate.
0: Cool. Yeah. Man. Um cool. I mean I think I think I've pretty much gone through everything I'd want to go through just for this. As we mentioned, we didn't want to get too um too in depth, yeah. too overly complicated um with this side of things. But hopefully that's given a, a decent rundown yeah. um of just how you would look to set up uh, a training block where your goal is muscle gain, what the overarching concepts um, and the overarching targets and goals you're trying to achieve are, and just how you would look to um, uh, incorporate that uh, into a kind of weekly and daily program. Yeah,
1: definitely. Uh, and i think sorry. it's it's not too much of a discredit to us to and i i spoke to you about this before but just mentioning to our listeners that you know if if you want this information on a much higher level if this is maybe a little bit too toned down for you i mean the the game the the aim sorry was always to pitch this at layman's terms so um in a way that everybody could digest and understand hopefully uh, but if you do want much more in-depth detail on this kind of stuff and you want to hear from kind of industry leaders in these areas the, the people who are actually doing research and reading all the research and putting it into practice then i recommend going ahead and listening to the revive stronger podcast uh, it's called the volume roundtable i'm not sure what episode number it is uh, and they i think it's 100 it. Wasn't it? was it 100 yeah i think it's 100 actually yeah, it's yeah a real landmark podcast for them and uh, that's yeah dr mike israel who's a huge leader in this area Eric Helms, Dr. Eric Helms, and Menno um, Henselman. So definitely worth giving that a listen if, if you want more on this and a bit more and a bit more science-y depth. Uh, but other than that, it's been really good to get back and get talking to you, ads, because we never talk to each other in the gym. It's just like never. head
0: down. Nah, just business. Just business. business.
1: <laughs> Making cash, bro. Um, just big squats mate all day (laughs) yeah,
0: all day
1: so um, yeah we'll definitely look to get this in a lot more frequently now I'm pretty sure we've said that in the past so uh, hopefully we can make it come to fruition but we will endeavour to get one of these out a lot more frequently so hopefully you've enjoyed it guys if you have any feedback at all then please tag us in your social media posts uh, so we can share your, your feedback unless it's bad feedback of course and we won't share it and we'll just delete you from our lives (laughs) Uh, and have a great week winning (laughs) and we will speak to you on the next one cool guys thank you
0: thanks for listening to team no calves radio remember plantar flexion dorsiflexion progressive overload and boom anything is possible